You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. We're going to be reading in two places this morning primarily. I want who, who knows where the Christmas story is most easily found in the Bible? Two places. In the Gospels, I'll give you a starting point. Luke 2 is one of them. What about the other one? In Matthew. Charlie gets a gold star because he nailed both of them. It's okay to speak when a question is asked. It would be okay. We do got a thin crowd today, so you're going to have to listen loudly anyway. They've got a lot of people traveling and so on. And, and I will tell you that you need to be in prayer for our fellowship. There are things that are happening, and, and uh, you'll see different things um, that will be different, and um, and so in that I pray you give us patience and 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 observing and caring for us and praying for one another. If I could get you to pray for one thing in specific today, I is my brother-in-law. Uh, his name is David Swire. He's an unsaved man, as far as I know, as far as he's willing to testify to. And Renette's taking him back to the airport today. And did she just leave? Oh, there you go. I got a letter for him. I, I got it for her that I'd like you to take with you anyway. Um, so I, t- I called him this morning and uh, talked to him this morning. I've talked to him before about the gospel, and he's heard the gospel a number of times. And I, there's some things that are hindering him. I don't know if it's, I think part of it's his family. Part of it's, I, I wrote that, that um, devotional this morning on the famine in the land. It's not a famine of food. It's a famine of the word of God. And there's definitely a famine in England of the word of God. They've preached uh, evolution. Um, Darwin is a good English son, you know. And uh, they've forgotten their other English son, Charles Spurgeon, who brought literally maybe a million, millions to Christ in his ministry over the years, over the centuries. Um, they've forgotten him, and they've elevated Darwin. And tragically, people have grabbed onto that, and they've, they've lost the taste for the gospel. And I just know uh, that if he was to accept Christ, that his whole family would be rescued. He's got four sons, one of them's particularly agnostic, atheistic. He kind of smirked and mocked every time we spoke of anything godly. And I think his wife is a bit of a hindrance there too. So I, I, if you would be in prayer for him this day, I know he's hearing the gospel this morning. I talked to him this morning on the phone and, and told him, you know, it's good to have him as a brother. He's kind of a newly discovered brother. I'll tell you, I don't know if I told you that story, Randy. You'd like that story. It's a good one. And um, however, to be a spiritual brother for eternity would, would be much greater. So if you'll keep him in prayer, David Swire, David and Liz Swire, and uh, I'm telling you, he is the key to a large number of people. A lot of people highly respect him. He's a very, very nice man, and I'm afraid he thinks he's going to get by on niceness and, uh, and rather than repentance. So if you'd keep him in prayer this morning, I, w- I would greatly appreciate that. So Matthew 2 and Luke 2, we're going to read a pretty good little bits there in both of those. Let's start with reading Luke 2, 7 through 20. One of my childhood memories christmas was not like it is now uh christmas day you know 50 whatever years ago was not like christmas is celebrated now and and it's i'm not sliding how it's celebrated now um christmas throughout the world is not celebrated like it's celebrated in america um in in peru i've been there at least once on christmas day and on christmas day the wealthier people go to the poorer children and give them a, hot, a cup of hot chocolate, and that's what they receive for Christmas Day. It's a big deal to get a cup of hot chocolate. And, uh, and we say, oh, how sad. But to them, it's a, it's a great blessing. I mean, you didn't have it yesterday, and you're not going to have it tomorrow. But for today, 
And so one thing that my, my dad did <clears throat> every Christmas that I recall is that uh, uh, we would, before we would ever consider opening a present, um, we would uh, read Luke chapter 2. We'd read the whole Luke chapter 2. And I know there's more to the gospel, um, and if I have to, I don't have to, but in giving my, you know, it says to honor your father and mother and the Lord for this is right, you be prosperous, live long in the land. Um, one thing that my parents did for me was they took us to church, particularly when we were young, and we heard the gospel. And at some point I received Christ as a little kid. And then um, as best as they were able, um, they, we read the Bible like on Christmas Day. They did have us in church up to about fifth grade there, and then some things changed. But, um, and for that I'm, I'm grateful to have received the Word of God. So dads, maybe you start a tradition, if you haven't done it before, of reading Luke chapter 2 with your family um, whoever comes on Christmas morning, just remind them because I'm telling you the world is selling a completely different um, holiday than what it was uh, originally designed as. Luke 2, chapter 7, speaking of Mary, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger <coughs> because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country, uh, country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Um, we're going to talk about two different kings today. The king that was born this day and then the kings of the world. But it, this... Luke 2 has the details of the moment when the shepherd or when the savior of the world is revealed to men. And uh, you've probably heard this before, but it's no coincidence that he was revealed to shepherds first. Um, go through the Bible, go through the Old Testament, you'll see how many times lambs are mentioned, rams are mentioned, sheep are mentioned, how a lot of the um, vast majority of your Old Testament um, patriarchs were shepherds. I believe that we've missed something, and I've told you this before, um, we've missed something as we've moved away from the land. When God told us to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, take dominion over there, subdue the earth, he wasn't talking about building cities. He was talking about animal husbandry, knowing the animals, taking, it says, dominion over the birds of the, of the air, the fish of the sea, the land animals, the, the terrain, the, the plants, and the, the fruiting plants, non-fruiting plants, so on. And so we move into cities, we move farther away from God, we move into the country, we move closer to God, into the work that he's called us to do. I don't know why that works, but it's proven true to me as I've seen it in other places. People in rural areas are much more accepting of the gospel because they can see God's hand on creation 
than people in cities. People in cities can only see the work of men and they struggle to see God's hand. So it's no coincidence, I believe, that the first shepherds or the shepherds that saw this, it's a, it's a word picture, it's an image, it's a whatever. What's the word I'm looking for? It's a picture for us to see shepherds struggling in darkness, keeping sheep, waiting for a light. It's a, it's a, oh, what's the word? It's a bit of a parable, maybe. It says, keeping watch over their flock by night. It's just a, a, a good picture of those few men of God who are still doing the work, regardless of the darkness that surrounds. And it's to those that God begins the message of salvation to the nations. It's to shepherds. So these are kind of a lower class entity. In fact, if you remember Pharaoh, uh, Moses presented the shepherds. He's like, my family are shepherds. If it would be good, it would be better if, we, if you kind of let us just stay outside of town because we're so abhorrent to the Egyptians. They don't like us. We smell bad. We smell like we smell. And, um, and we, they were just a really low class of people. I have goats. If you go touch the goats, then you smell like a goat. It's just how it is. It's very strong, very oily, and sheep are the same way. And so they're usually kept at bay. And it's the shepherd who's got to stay awake during the night. And he has a purpose in the staying awake. Remember those shepherds, we've seen those, uh, those sheep keeps where they have just a little entrance, a single entrance, and the shepherd would sleep in that entrance, and he'd put all the sheep in this circle at night. And they could have more than one herd of sheep. And so Jesus uses this, this uh, um, picture many times about his sheep hearing his voice. So you got five herds of sheep in one circle with a doorkeeper, right? So then in the morning, the shepherd comes out. He's got to call his sheep out to follow him. This guy's got to call his sheep out to follow him. This, there's a whole bunch of sheep. They're all mixed together. But in the morning, the sheep follow their shepherd out into the fields to eat and so on. So just an interesting thing that he chose the shepherds. These shepherds are awake and alert to some extent. Um, and I can tell you that you can get to a point where you have trouble sleeping or you hear everything. And I, I know that while I was in the service, I, I got that way where we slept outside all the time. And half the time, not half the time, but a few times there was people trying to harm you in the night and so you sleep very lightly if you sleep and then we had a thing called fire watch where one guy stays awake while one guy sleeps but neither guy's sleeping well and so these shepherds they have to stay awake they have to be somewhat alert in order to keep those that would steal kill or destroy their sheep come over the wall you know the hireling that that doesn't do a good job or those that would uh you know seek to slope in and steal a sheep or whatever and it was to these poor people that the angels on high came to reveal the newborn king. If another man had come and given them the message, they wouldn't have received it likely. I mean, they'd heard, I mean, it's false teachers and apostates, those aren't a new thing. Those aren't a New Testament. That's a forever thing. I mean, we have people selling us all kinds of lies every day. They're called politicians. And they sell us, they sell us false hopes and different things. And, and after a while, you can't believe any of it, right? But when God presents himself through an angel, the light shone all about him. And these guys were stunned into silence. But then the whole heavenly host, whatever that is, that may be the gods of other nations, that may be all the angels, it's a lot, and it was big. And when these guys received the word, um, they were struck that they needed to go tell someone. Um, it's kind of interesting um, the Father chose to send personal witnesses of his throne room to speak to men. Because I don't know if those guys would have hurt anybody else. 
Um, it didn't take that for the wise men to come to Messiah, but it took it for the for the low the low rent guy to come. You know. So he sends them that message for this. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That first angel shining with the glory of God. And then, like I said, this great multitude of angels. And what they say, it doesn't sound like it's that. I mean, it's big. But what they say turns the light on in the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. And so how fitting then for those shepherds of small flocks to be the first to go tell others even though it's not necessarily their own flock, the good news, it says in verse 17, now when they had seen him, so they went to, to qualify that what they heard was true, and when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. I, just to encourage you, um, a lot of people are very fearful of presenting the gospel to another person or even telling what they know about God to be true. I'm not telling you you have to be Billy Graham. I'm telling you, you speak the word of God that you know to be true, and he'll bring the increase. The shepherds didn't know the whole deal. All they knew was this child of peace, goodwill towards men, had been born this day in Bethlehem, and they went and told other people as they had been assigned them. They didn't know he was going to die on the cross. They didn't know he was going to preach for three years. They didn't know he was going to be mocked and spat on. They didn't know any of that stuff. They didn't know he was going to live a sinless life. They didn't know. All they knew was that God had told them that a Savior had come to them this day in Bethlehem, and they went and told many people. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. We can do that. The reason the darkness has encroached in our country the way it has and so quickly is because people that know the name of God have quit speaking it to other people for fear of offending them. How much more offensive to send someone to hell because you are fearful of speaking the Lord's name. So Jesus in his coming to earth, it's not like he in that moment became king. He was king before eternity passed. He was king present even as a baby in the manger, and he's king today. He'd always been king. He was just revealed as Messiah to the people in that moment. And it's the lowest of the low that need the Messiah the most. It really is. When we go to Peru or go to Africa or whatever, when we tell people about the gospel there, I mean, I'm, I'm encouraging you to put on your schedule for this coming year. I'll try to get you some approximate dates of when we could go. But go. And when you see other people starving for the gospel, it's so different than here. When you barely make mention of the gospel and people begin to come and ask questions like, what must I do to be saved? You're blown away. You're like, oh, it's this easy? It is. For starving people, it's that easy. For people that are fat and full, it's very difficult. So he was revealed as Messiah to mankind. When he was asked point blank by Pilate, Jesus, uh, Pilate asked him, are you a king? He doesn't deny his kingship. That's in John 18. He even introduces him, Pilate does, to the people before he sends them to the people to kill him. Behold your king. He said, if you knew who I was, if, if Jesus revealed all who he was, and if he called on these angels, he could have been rescued from that moment. He has plenty enough staff to handle any situation, but he is king. And Billy Graham said, something uh, even from Jesus' birth inspired allegiance, loyalty, and homage. Um, we're going to sing this song at the end of the service. There's something about that name, Jesus. There's something about that name. Remember that one? That's a good one. If you don't, we'll sing it twice. Maybe we'll 
Maybe we'll know it by the end of the service. There's something about his name. There's something about the presence of God that was on the baby in the manger. It wasn't Mary. It wasn't the holiness of Mary or her virgin birth. It wasn't that that blew these guys away. They looked at the baby, and there's something about that name. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. You call his name Jesus, or he'll save his people from their sins. Okay. And they saw him, a baby, and they're like, this is it. King of kings, Lord of lords, we got it. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. You ever seen a baby? Squishy and ooky. And, and they looked at him and they said, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's amazing. It's, it's staggering. There's been many people that have been put on the pedestal over the ages, you know, Napoleon or, or even Hitler or Pharaoh or Caesar. But there's no one going door to door today, knocking on doors. There's no one handing out Bible tracts. Hey, believe in Napoleon. He's going to save you from your sins. But there's people today still, speak, still speaking the name of Christ, encouraging others to come to him for salvation. The king who came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst, as Paul says, as I say of myself, and you should say of yourself, he came um, and he saved me, and thus he's worthy of recognition and of following and of praise. I mean, is that true for you? Maybe it's not true for you. The wise men came. They saw the star. They bring gifts for a king. And I wanted us to go to Matthew 2. I want you to see this part. So we see the, the lowest of the low who go out and speak the word. And I'm not calling you the lowest of the low, but I'm telling you, you're not as hot as you think you are. Go out there and preach the gospel. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 2, we see these. Well, we can start in verse 1 so you kind of get the timeline. So the wise men, a lot of times when you have the crash or whatever, where they have the the manger scene, and then they got the wise men, and they got the shepherds, and they got the sheeps, and the oh, there's always a camel or two in there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who was there that took the picture, but not all those things were there simultaneously, okay? Um, but the wise men, it says, came later. If you read this carefully, they weren't there on the birth night. They came later. So he could have been as much as two years old. We don't know. He could have been older than that. We don't know. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. So there is a time, and apparently it's around two years because we know that Herod sent the wise men to find out and later kills all the babies two years and younger. So it could be as much as two years. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in these days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, We've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The word Christ, by the way, not Jesus' last name. It's the word Messiah. It's the Greek word for Messiah, Savior. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring him back, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them 
till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So when he arose, Joseph, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two-year-old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when the Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life were dead. Uh, so the wise men came, they saw the star, they brought the gifts, they asked the question, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw, we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. And it's inter, it's, it starts with this concern of Herod, Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with them. So you got this, this thing that they lived under that we don't live under. Herod was not, he may have been a Roman of sorts, but he wasn't, uh, uh, he was an under king. How about that? He wasn't Rome's king. He was a, a regional king. Um, so to hear that there's a king on the rise for Herod would put pressure on him from Rome um, that he didn't want. It's just, you know, everything's copacetic. Let's just let it lay. I'll make my money. I'll have my concubines. I'll eat my food. Everything will be cool. Everybody keep calm. Don't make eye contact, right? And the same thing with the people, though. It says all, the, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. It's bad enough that we got Rome with their foot on our neck all the time. And now here's another up-and-comer. Here's another Judas Maccabeus. We're going to have to fight these jokers again and they're going to be a bunch of killing and they're going to burn the temple down again. Wouldn't it be better if we just keep it all on the down low? Everybody be calm. Don't touch nothing. Don't, you know, just trying to keep it calm. It was, a, it was a fear to hear that there was a king of the Jews that was on the rise. And to hear that it was a baby and identified as a baby because these kings, a lot of times, if you go back and read the book of Kings, uh, the, a few of those were enshrined at age eight. Josiah was age eight, I think. They're like, all right, you're the king of Israel, age eight. And they present him before the, the temple. And, and I mean, eight-year-old kid, you know. So it doesn't have to be, if you're in the line, if Queen Elizabeth had died when she was young and Prince Charles was two at the time, he would have been the king at age two or age five, whatever. She just happened to live a long time. And so they were troubled. They were fearing Rome and, and this upstart Jewish king. I mean, it, it'd be bad enough that we'd have a new king, but for him to be a Jew and then have to deal with Rome and then Rome, I mean, it was just a bad, a bad scene all the way around. So uh, 
and then the other thing, and I, I think we've talked about this before, just to mention it, is Herod and his hatred of the Jews. So Herod was of the Edomites. It says Herod the Idumean, which is of Edom. So if you look at if you look at Israel kind of vertically north and south, uh, it's to the lower east of of Israel, and that's where he would have come from. And he had a, a major negative hatred of the Jews. They had uh, stood up against the Jews in times past. And in AD 70, uh, the, what was remaining of the Edomites actually helped defend the temple, but it was too late. These are um, of Jacob and Esau. This is, this is Israel's first cousin, or I mean Israel's brother, or half-brother. And now here we are all these years later, and there's just a great hatred with one another. Edom had turned their back on Israel years before, and now, and then a bunch of them have been killed out. If you read the book of Obadiah, you'll see that's the end of Edom. Um, but anyway, you can, you can chase that down. So Herod had a hatred for the Jews anyway. Here's a king of the Jews rising up. It'd be better just to just make that go away. And so that's what he tries to do. It says when Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was furious. 2 verse 16 it's kind of, I, I just wanted to show you this about these two kings. We've got the up-and-coming king, Jesus, and we have Herod, the one that's about to be deposed to eternity in hell, I suppose. But it says he was furious, or he was angry. He was exceedingly angry. What does the King James say? Who's, who's my King James guy? Charles, Charlie Alva, you've let me down. But in Herod it says he was exceedingly angry, and one, one translation says he was furious. He was enraged to discover that these guys had, had let Jesus slip from his grasp. And so what does he do? He's going to go kill them all. Anyone that was born in that time. And this is one of those things where people get this um, false sense of who God is. You know, how can a good God um, allow things like this to happen? It wasn't God that went and killed all the babies. It wasn't him. It was a man. This is the evil one working through a man. This could be Satan influencing his heart. Man, if we can kill this, this Jesus off, we got that much better chance. I got that much better chance of victory. You know, that to do, God will have to do something else. And I want you to think about these people that were, their children were killed, and it's terrible to think about this. Isaiah 9, 2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. These are the oppressed people of Israel. But a lot of these oppressed people of Israel, if you go to Jeremiah and look that, if you want to go look those scriptures up, it's around Jeremiah 31. It's actually mentioned in Hosea in chapter 5. But this, these people had turned their back on God a long time ago. These babies that Herod killed, these weren't future God-fearing babies. These were very pagan babies. It would have been better for them. This sounds terrible. It would have been better for them to pass away as babies than to grow up into adults and not be saved and, and be lost forever. At least as babies, God can take them into his, into his fellowship in heaven, right? But they were such a wicked people that it took things like this to drive people back to the one true God. And when we see death sometimes, I think we're so quick to blame God for a death. And the reality is the death is what drives us to God. Without the death, we keep going and doing our own thing. It's the death of someone we love, of a child, of a, a spouse or whatever, that drives us to God. 
But this King Herod, he just does what an oppressor does. Jesus does not convert men to himself through murder. He may come again, a reigning king, and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord as unto the Father. And there may be some death and dismemberment there, but it's going to be just like this. These are people that will never relent, never repent. But he comes the first time very merciful. He doesn't come killing all the young men of, of, of Israel, of Jerusalem, until he gets 12 guys to follow him. He doesn't do that. It says in, in Isaiah that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. But this, isn't, this, isn't, this is a chastisement of God against a pagan people. It's not a chastisement of, of God's people trying to drive them from him. It's a desire to drive the fathers back to the sons. It's a desire to drive the people and bring the children um, to himself. So those people that are trapped in darkness, they got to see a great light. For them to see the light, they got to be in complete darkness. They chose to be in that darkness. In the battle that we're in, in the United States of America today, we're in a land of great darkness. You can believe it or not. You can avoid watching the news so that you don't have to hear negative things about what's going on in the world, and that's not going to help you. you got to know that we live in a very dark um, time. Um, I'm not sure if any of you read that, that devotion last week about halting between two opinions. If you did, I wanted to make this point, is that the problem is, is that these people were not looking for the king. They had a king. They had the wrong king. They knew there was another king, but they weren't looking for that king. Um, and I say to you today, how long will you halt? Is Christ the king or is he not? Because if he's not your king, then you put yourself at the mercy of the oppressor king. That's something to consider. It's something to consider when you talk to other people. Hey, do you like being oppressed? You like how things are going? It, and I'm not talking about you know, expensive gas or anything. Do you like having to bow the knee to the, the gay marriage agenda, transgender, whatever? Do you like that? Do you like being forced to do something that you know inherently is wrong. Do you like that? No. Well, then why are you following the way of the world? Follow the true king. Amen. We're going to live in this culture. That's just how it is. But you don't have to follow this culture. Follow the king. If, if Christ is king, then follow your king. Like I said, Jesus didn't go into far cities killing the firstborn. Herod did. Jesus went into the cities and called men to repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come, get in the kingdom. Well, what about all the stuff around us that's shooting at? Well, let them shoot at the kingdom. But come be in the kingdom. He's very gracious. He provides for his children. He doesn't use uh, power and destruction to gain allegiance to himself. Herod and his rule, it was shown to be cruel. It, right there in that chapter 2 of Matthew, he shows his... his um, his kingdom reign as cruel and unjust. It was very self-serving. Christ came not to serve, uh, not to be served, but to serve. Herod came to be served. Christ never came as a as a um, as a true king in the sense that he he filled his 
his uh, house with wonderful golden things and, and servants and slaves and concubines and, and brought the best food. He never did that. He said, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to, to lay his head. He was, he was living in the woods. He had a different mission as king. He was drawing all men to the Father. That's a big deal. So, so the righteous response of the shepherd is the response that we should be doing. It's the, you hear the good news of a good king, the righteous response is go and tell others. Um, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings about the Christmas holiday. I'm, I'm pro-present. Feel free to buy me one. Um, but it's highly unlikely, just, I don't want to shock anyone, highly unlikely that Jesus was born on December 25th. I mean, it's possible, even though the so-called Julian calendar didn't come on until, whatever, 300 A.D., but at whatever year there, at zero, zero, between AC, uh, A.D. and B.C., or B.C. and A.D., in that day, um, in about that year, sometime between uh, 3 B.C. and 3 A.D., Jesus was born. I would say, I would almost put money on that he was born on the Feast of Tabernacles only because it says, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. I'd say it would be closer to the Tabernacles date that he would have been born. And also we have another couple clues there. The fact that the shepherds were in the field, so that means there was pastures in the field, active pasture going. So it had to have been spring, uh, summer, or fall, um, and not in winter where they would have been kept up in town where you'd have been feeding them uh, rather than uh, pasturing them, things like that. And also the fact that the town was full. Um, these people would come to Bethlehem for these three big feasts, um, and so it had to have been one of the three big feasts, um, uh, Passover, uh, Pentecost, or uh, Tabernacles. It had to have been one of those three because that's why all the inns are full, because they're, they're full, because they're full of people being obedient to do the sacrifice. And that aside, um, in those days, the people were terribly wicked and trapped in great darkness. And God's going to reveal himself in this darkness but what's happened then, as is happening today, is the wicked are constantly trying to subdue the influence of God upon the earth. It's what happened where those children, they didn't, in, in human words, they had to die because their families were so pagan. They were so far from God. I wandered far from God. Now I'm coming home. Uh, they had wandered far away from God. And God got their attention however he does. It was in the killing of the firstborn of the Egyptian children that many of the people of the mixed multitude came out with the Jews, understanding that there is one God and he is more powerful than the conglomeration of all the Egyptian gods. I better get on the right team. So in that, tragically, evil never sleeps. Wicked are constantly seeking to subdue the goodness of God and God's people. Um, but they have great influence on the earth. When a, a righteous person, he goes to bed at night, tired from his work of the day, and then he wakes up in the morning ready to go at it again. The wicked never sleep. They're like termites always eating. I noticed this year in Christmas, um, as I was traveling back from Dad, and I have XM radio, so I was listening to different like interviews, or, or uh, I like uh, Willie's Roadhouse. They got that old good country sound from back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. You know, that's the good stuff. Just so you know. That's the good stuff, young people. <laughs> Got to listen to the good stuff. Um, 
but I made sure and changed the channel when they sang the White Lightning song. No, I didn't. No, that's, that's my favorite song. <laughs> but um, I noticed as you're chip, flipping between, you know, some interviews maybe, or Billy Graham channel's pretty good on there, and, the, and the, this and that. And every time I hit the Christmas, you know, they got Christmas music on 15 channels. And it's, it's, it's bad, man. It's like trying to not step in a mud puddle over the last couple of days. You're going to get in it, you know. And so every time, but all the music was about, you know, snow or elves or, or sleighs or horses or holly jolliness or whatever. And very, very few times did I catch any song that had anything to do with, with Christ. And what's happened is in the last 50 years, in my, in my lifetime, um, Christmas has become the winter solstice of the Constantine era, pre-Constantine era. I mean, we're celebrating winter, winter clothing, winter styles, and snow and elves and all the other stuff. And I'm telling you, I don't even hear that many songs about Santa. I didn't even see in advertising, like public advertising, as much about Santa as we used to see in the past. I mean, they have so completely, whoever they are, have completely so steered us away. They've done an excellent job of steering the populace of a once godly nation completely away from God in every aspect. And it happened subtly, but rather rapidly. And in that, um, and I told you about that commercial a couple weeks ago, it said, don't forget the reason for the season, and it ends with shopping. And I'm like, and people are like, oh, that's right, Black Friday, I got to get out there. You know, I eat the turkey and I go get the, the bargains. Um, anyway, this darkness is rapidly advancing just like these people in Jesus' day. The darkness had so completely enveloped them that you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees just kind of holding on to a glimmer of light. If you remember, God does not reveal himself to them, but to shepherds and the Magi, those who seek him. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't seeking him. They were seeking power and control for themselves. So today, the darkness has encroached on the people of God and has come rather rapidly, and it's very dark. And to those who are darkness, he's shown a great light. Um, it's been this lightning assault on us. And the people, the shepherds, which I call you shepherds because you're ministers of the gospel. There's some sheep that you have influence over. It could be your family or your relatives or people at work. I don't know who they are. And with those weak-minded, lost, and hungry sheep, it's on you to reveal to them that they live in darkness and that you have the light. Um, those shepherds were so impressive to me. Those guys, they saw the light. They immediately went to the village back in Luke. They immediately went to the village and they began to speak just of the part that they knew. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to do the, the Hebrew, Greek, interlinear Bible, whatever, Bible study in order to tell somebody that the light has come into the world to save sinners. You don't have to. Just tell them what you know. The wise men, the magi, they came. They went to the child to see if he was truly the king. And when he proved to be, the father revealed himself to them in a vision, in a dream. It takes that little to receive from God who he is.
to acknowledge his son and to receive eternal life. It takes that little. You can give someone that little. I promise you can. And, I'm, and I know that uh, this is about the last month, like I said, now that we've almost become completely winter solstice um, This is about the only month of the year that you can pretty much freely talk about Christ. This and around Easter time. And people are willing to put up with you, you know, yeah, yeah, Christian man, whatever. Give me the, give me the spiel. Give them the spiel. Take the advantage and give them the spiel. Today is the day. Um, there was a movie years ago, and it was a comedy movie. I don't want to. I don't want to give it credence by telling you that I ever saw it or that I know about it. But in it, all these people are sitting around a table, and the guy's going to pray a prayer, and he starts praying a prayer to baby Jesus. And after he gets done with the, with the prayer, oh, this guy, why are you praying to baby? Well, he's my favorite Jesus because he's so sweet and he's all safe and in the and in the the thing there, you know, in the manger there. And and then, well, I like this Jesus, I like that Jesus, I like black Jesus, and and it's just this joke. And they make it a joke and a mockery. The reality is, is that he didn't stay a baby no more than you did. You know, Mary wasn't carrying him around in one of the, the little snap-in car carrier thing for, you know, 33 years and he passed away. He grew into a man. And he sits today at the right hand of the Father as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he makes intercession for us. Knowing that. And knowing that he gives commands in his word, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I give you this new command, love one another. True and undefiled religion is this, to care for the widow and the orphan in their distress. He gives you commands. He tells you things to do. Keep my commandments. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. He didn't stay a helpless infant in a cradle. He is a good king. But a good king demands to be followed by good people. There is chastisement for sons that, that reject his kingdom, people that were once good followers of the king, but now decided to go their own way. Salvation is enough. The helmet of salvation is enough for me. As I got my fire insurance, I'm all set. <clears throat> but when you do that, you take yourself out from underneath his authority and you put yourself underneath the authority of Herod. You don't want to be under the oppressor king. You want to be under the good king. And you want to follow him from today until eternity. Do you personally, in your mind, you know, do you have a false sense of the king of glory? Um, the Lord God Almighty. I was in Thailand years ago, and I think I've told you this before, but they told us before we got off ship, they said, do not say anything about the king of Thailand. I didn't even know they had a king, but it's a big deal. You're not allowed to speak of the king or any of his court openly. Renetta's brother come, and um, they have a queen. Uh, at the time, they had a queen. And you do not talk or mock the queen. You can disagree with what she says, but you do not make jokes about the queen. They, they were very offended um, at some of the things they saw on TV or even what my, my kids said. Some of my kids made a, a, a Christian made a little joke about the queen there. And... Uh, because we, we can say whatever we want about our elected leaders. When you've got a king, you honor the king. We don't understand honor in this way, and we need to get, we need to get that figured out. But um, he's to be honored. The king of kings is easy to follow for his burden is light. His yoke, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, the Bible says. He's merciful and true, long-suffering and gracious, full of loving kindnesses. The word is chesed. It's loving kindnesses. It's a plural, 
it's, it's better than love. It's better than kindness. It's better than care. And he's full. It's what he's full of. As well as all these other traits. As well as full of wrath. <laughs> he's all those things. He's the most well-rounded that there is. He's loving, but he's coming again to rule and reign on earth as if in heaven. So you've got to choose today who you'll serve. Not Jesus Christ, the babe in the manger. It's not about the gift giving, though that's acceptable, I suppose. But it's understanding who the king is, the good king, versus this wicked king, Herod, who, who is on the throne today on earth. Herod or a, or, a, or, a, or a type of Herod is on the throne today, all over the world, oppressing people, keeping them from the gospel of peace. Millions around the world will celebrate the birth of Christ these next few weeks, but they'll fail to be born again in their own hearts. And that's a tragedy. So for you, my challenge, I'm sorry if the message was a little disjointed. I really struggled to put this together. I, a, lot of, a number of things happened this week. And uh, my, my daughter, Kristen, graduated from college this week, which that was a major uh, positive thing. We were really excited about that. And it's all day Friday. And I was traveling Wednesday and then early in the week with, with my family in uh, Texas there. And, um, and then some other things that happened as well. Um, it's, it, it's, sometimes it is hard to put a message together, but I want to catch you. I mean, if I, if I messed you up or if I was too, it was too mixed around for I catch this, there's two kings. Choose today who you'll follow. The kings of the earth or the kingdom of heaven. Um, I want to ask you to, wherever Miss Emily, come on up. And I want us to, to just get our thoughts together for a moment, and then we're going to sing a song at the end that you may or may not know. Charlie will hand out the words. Uh, we'll sing it through twice, and um, it's a really good song. And uh, there's something about the name of Christ that we need to know. Let's, let's get our minds right for a second. We'll pray, and then we'll sing. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask for your mercy upon us, Lord, if we have been weak and frail, fearful in um, preaching your name. Lord, I pray today that you give us the boldness to go out and accomplish your will for our lives. I pray for those that are starving in our community, Lord, for the, those children, for those adults that are walking around in darkness. I pray that they'll see a great light, that we could be the giver of the light through your word through the demonstration of our lives, through the words that we speak. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill us to overflowing, that you'll run off of us rivers of living water flowing out of the innermost parts of the man and dripping onto others as we go by so they would recognize their need for a Savior, Lord. May we not just live a godly life, but may we speak it as well. For those that are here today that may not know you, may not know you fully, Lord, I pray for them that today is the day of their salvation, Lord, that you would enter their heart, that they would repent and ask for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up together there. Do you, everybody got the words? There's just something about that name.